My name is Anthony Capazzoli. I am the host of the Dismantle Life podcast and I'm a recovering alcoholic and drug addict after nearly 40 years of addiction. I have been clean and sober for nearly four years and work hard to help others find recovery. Join me each episode to learn from my sober superhero guests and how they went from the darkness of addiction into the sunlight of recovery. I appreciate you having me as a guest on your show. I'm happy to have you. You're working with Jay, right? Journey to 30. It's a program that I, I, I can relate to, so to say, basically. Um, I've tr- I, I really didn't have the real desire or the attractiveness or the wantness to work to AA, like yeah, AA and NA, right? Um, I don't know. There's just no attraction there. Um, I'll tell, I, I can share with you a brief, like, um, I don't know how a podcast goes. Maybe you can just give me a little introduction about how it goes. Uh, I don't know much about it. Yeah. So we're just going to have a nice normal conversation. So forget about all the podcast stuff. I'll take care of all of that. It's super simple in terms of just the conversation itself. We're going to just talk a little bit about, you know, who you were. I, I always kind of tag it pre-addiction. It's not a medical term. It doesn't mean anything. It's just a way that people can kind of categorize what was life like before uh, the addiction uh, got hold. And then we'll talk a bit about, you know, life in addiction and this isn't a gladiator school podcast. We don't really talk too much about how much this or that you did or drank or whatever. The only thing I do like to do is touch on quickly is just to give the audience an idea of uh, scope or scale. Like I would say for me, I would drink, you know, a bottle of vodka a day, 12 pack of beer, and then do, you know, about a hundred dollars worth of blow a day. Uh, some, <laughs> something, something like that. And, but I don't talk about the, the glory stories about it. You know, yeah. I was able to do this or that. And I just use that as a frame of reference. And the reason that that frame of reference is sometimes important, not always, is it helps people that are listening when they feel hopeless or they're filled with despair because of where they're at, that they can't climb out. And when they hear and they understand and relate that other people are just like them or worse, and they've made it, it helps people understand that you can get out and you can, you can live a life in sobriety and in recovery and in the sunshine. So amen to that. Amen yeah. To that. And then so we'll talk a bit about what life is like after, you know, when you work the program and what life is like in recovery. So it's really aimed at the process of recovery. So people can learn from your wonderful experiences getting, uh, getting recovered. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that too. And this morning I woke up with that, uh, that mindset of, you know, I'm just going to give a, uh, a brief dis- uh, uh, description. You know, at 14 years old, I, uh, you know, I gained a relationship with alcohol. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have a mother. I had a mother and I had a father, but I didn't have the relationship, so to say, with them. Sure. Um, basically, uh, you know, Man, at 14, man, I was my own boss. You know, I was on the run from uh, the state, which uh, I, I honestly, man, I really don't know much about my past. Sure. No, I really, the, the biggest part of my life right now and what's going on right now is what I'm doing right now. Good. I'm That's living perfect. in the what's happening. The what happened, I have really no history of. You know, it's hearsay, 
this one said, you know, I, I don't know. So I can't really talk about too much about my past. I know for 35 years, I was an alcoholic. That's perfect. That's um, all we need to know. That's listen, I got to tell you, Travis, I think that that's an important point. It, and, and you said it perfectly. It, it's what's ma- it, what matters is what you're doing now and what life is like in recovery. And I think that that is a very important and wonderful point you made. So well done for pointing that out, because I think that's really an important takeaway for everybody listening to this show or any other podcast about recovery or anything that they're doing in recovery. It's it's about the now. Um, and you said it. You said it great. So, yeah, so um, 35 years of alcoholism, I really didn't have a good example to follow in life. Right. I didn't have that father to teach me. This is the way to live. This is what you're going to become in life. If you keep doing this, there was no positivity. It was a lot of examples that I was following in life that were leading me to more and more of a destructive life concerning alcohol. And then eventually it became drugs. So, um, I, I, and, and, in between that, I was able to get a high school diploma. In between that, I was able to get an apprenticeship and a uh, job for in between that. But it was all in between, mm. right? And um, I tried the recovery thing for a while, you know, um, but I was searching for recovery for all the wrong reasons instead of the right. You know, I was looking for uh, rehab so I could keep a roof over my head because I lost my apartment. Uh because of alcohol and drugs, bad decisions, man. Um, and that led me to, you know, dishon- like I was so dishonest. Yeah. I couldn't even be honest with myself. You know, I didn't know how. My living skills were based on just day-to-day, day-to-day, <laughs> day-to-day. Right. Like what I'm doing in my life today is nothing in comparison or nor did I ever think that I would be able to have a light beyond recovery, right? I tried the recovery thing. Um, you know, my first time getting sober, um, I had a moment of clarity. I was in jail for four days and uh, my drinking and drugging always brought me to jails, institutions and death. So I had a moment of clarity on the third day that I was in jail and 10 seconds, I had this thought come across my mind that I was aware of my situation and how I got there. And I, I got that glimpse of, you're 45 years old. Do you want to keep doing this for the rest of your life? Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, what? Like, you know what I mean? Because the other day before jail, I had so many thoughts going in my mind. All right. Can't wait to get out of here. You know, I'm going to go hang out, um, do Sue, whatever, you know, in my mind. And that's how my thoughts would go. You know, we'll yeah. get out of jail and we'll go back to the same thing. And this is what's going to happen. And it wasn't like that. So when I got out of jail, um, I knew my neighbor was in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and he had 35 years clean and sober. He was my neighbor. Wow. And so um, I had, you know, my mindset was on knocking on his door because at that moment I said, you know, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. I want to do something about it. 
And I didn't know the importance of admitting that I was an alcoholic or an addict. So I knocked on his door and nobody answered. Hmm. So on the outside of that door, I said, you know, if you don't let me in, you know, I'm going to go out and pick up a use. So I knocked again and boom, the door opened. And that was the day that, you know, this is the start of my journey. Oh, dude. <laughs> so to say, you know, this is I kind of got the chills a little bit. Like that was a perfect metaphor. It knocked on the door and no one answered. So I knocked again. Yeah. Like, dude, that's that's awesome, actually. And I'm I'm not trying to make light of it because that's an important point. You, the, and it touches back to what I think that you said was so really brilliant, too, that you were in recovery for all the wrong reasons. And this was the first time, I think in your words that you were in recovery for the right reasons because you didn't want to do this anymore it's really powerful stuff dude and it's it's a good metaphor for it's it's really good it's really good i'm i'm, uh, I'm dying to hear the rest of this man this is great so when i knocked on the door and the door opened i knew and i just got the chills just now so i i knew that that i was gonna get help I was going to get help, but I didn't know what the help looked like. Yeah. Right. So I sat down and the old man says, uh, are you tired? You know? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm tired because everything that I had done always gave me the same results. Right. Even though that I thought that, you know, keep doing this and I'm going to get a different result, but no, it's, it wasn't like that. So I went to my first meeting and I admitted to him to a fellowship of men in a room that um, I was an alcoholic and they needed help. So I continued doing that. I kept going to meetings. I was, um, I was going to meetings. They told me to do 90, 90, and I did 290 because I maxed out. I wanted to, I, I wanted to stick. I built a routine where I was going to three meetings a day, 200 times. Right. And I kept going and kept going. And um, then an individual said, have you worked the steps? And I, I didn't want anything to do with it. Hmm. I didn't want anything to do with it. So I went around the steps right. and I was getting hype off people in recovery. Right. I was going to meetings. I was just. Oh, what's the word? Uh, limiting. Uh, the amount of work that I had to do on myself, I considered going to meetings, getting hype off recovery, going to conventions, uh, going to roundups, people and places and where they would meet. That was enough for me. I didn't have to do any work. That was the work. Me walking a mile and a half to get to a meeting, that was the work, right? And I convinced myself until after 23 months of having clean time, I picked up a drink. I said to myself, I think I'm going to have a drink. Hmm. Wow. I didn't think about all the meetings and all the things that I did. Right. I didn't think of nothing like that. That's how quick it was. Left to my own devices. I picked up a drink. Kept me out two years. Right. I was out in the streets for two years. I was listening to old timers, fake it till you make it, which didn't make any sense. But, I, you know, I, I didn't know what that meant. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kept me out for two years. A lot happened in two years. I jumped back in the game July 16, 2019, going at it again the same way I did the first time. Mm. 18 months, 18 days. 
left to my own devices, I think I'm going to drug tonight. I think I'm going to have a drug tonight. Didn't even think about 18 days. Didn't think about eight months, 18 months, right? Um, five hours later, jumped back into it. Uh, February 5th, 2019, jumped back into it. For nine months, I did it the same way I did it for 18 months. And I did it the same way I did it for 23 months. So nothing was changing. Right. I was jumping in, out, in, out. Right. Using the same tactic that I was using the two times before. Right. I'm at an uh, a NA meeting. I go to this NA meeting I went to. Uh, I left the meeting two. No, I left the meeting 20 minutes early, got my pickup, get on a, uh, a TikTok live. And who do I see? Hype Chef Recovery. Jay Bernard, yeah, right. Of coaching, of there he is on a live. And what more better? I just got the chills. What more better than to jump on his live? And he's talking about recovery coaching. Now, needless to say, I've been praying for four years for someone to come into my life and work with me that have patience, tolerance redirection because I have a problem understanding big things mm. and um, patience, love and believe in me and all this stuff. Right. And so he's talking about coaching. And I said, well, I'm in New Hampshire. How do, can I get a recovery coach? And he says, just go to WW hype recovery coach, book yourself a discovery call, man. I didn't even waste no seconds I got out of that live, booked myself a call for the next day because that's how bad I not needed it, wanted it, but I got to get it. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I've said, I've said for so long, I need this, I need that, I want this, I want that, would do nothing to get it. Right. And now here I am, you know, journey to 30, got through it. Right. But it wasn't about getting through it for right. me. It's about it was working. About, it was about the work. Yeah. That's what I missed. I wasn't doing the work on myself because I didn't want to look at myself. I put everything in front of my recovery, distractions, girlfriends, relationships, gambling, uh, porn. Uh, you know, uh, it's endless. Yeah. Right. It was endless because I didn't want to look at myself because I was scared to look at myself. Right. I thought looking at myself meant getting honest. Did I want to get honest and, and admit that not only was I was an alcoholic and addict, but I had problems with fear and thinking and thoughts because way before the drink and the drug, it was the thoughts. Yeah. It was the thinking that led me there. Yeah. That was just a mere solution. Exactly. I agree with you hundred percent. I, that, that it goes quick, right? When you're mentally parked in front of the liquor store or your drug dealer's house before you actually go, that's when the decision is made to, uh, to slip. That's when the decision is made to relapse. And then you go, <clears throat> then you actually drive to the liquor store or drive to the drug dealer's house because in your mind, like you said, there's that moment, it just, it's a snap of the fingers and I think I'm going to do this today. And you don't even know why. And if something just gives and you, but working the program, and I say this, I am recovery agnostic on this show. I, I, I don't subscribe to AA over 
anything else or anything else over AA, I, I think people should recover how they recover. And, and I think Jay's program is a wonderful program. And I think because it's hands-on, it's direct, and he's there for you. And, 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 and listen, this is an episode to promote Jay, but Jay really is a magical and a wonderful person. Um, and what he does and how he helps people is not only unique, but filled with so much positive love and energy. It's, it's great. And I can see that you're working the program because you want to work the program. You had to find a guiding light to do that. And you did that. And I, and I love that, that you have that now. Well, I was able to get out of my way. Yeah. I didn't know what that was until I got involved with journey to 30. I didn't know what anything that I was doing in life until I started working this program. Yeah. So a big key that, that really opened up everything to what it is today for me is identifying. When I heard that was like a light that went off, identifying your thoughts when they come to your mind instead of acting on your thoughts. That's big for me. I had no idea what that was. And this, the, the journey to 30 had opened up my whole perspective on life. And finally, you know, I'm at where I'm at because I got out of my own way. Like I, I accepted what others were looking to teach me instead of saying, no, I don't want nothing to do with that. I got this. I can control this. I can control this situation. I can do my own recovery. My own recovery got me back out there. Right. Right. Yeah. So being able to get out of my own way and admit my wrongs, admit you know, being honest, right? Um, well, the honesty is a big piece too. You, you have to, you have to take a long, hard look at yourself, not just once, but every day, all day. You have to be aware of not only who you are, but how you try to mentally mess with your own mind, as it were, to drive you back to the drinking and the drugging. And, and that was a big part for me. When I, I finally came to terms with the fact that I was an alcoholic and an addict, and then I worked hard on not being an alcoholic and an addict actively. Because I think that, I believe that I'm always going to be an addict and an alcoholic. I just have now chosen, uh, I take different paths. I have, uh, I make different choices. And what's great about that is being aware of who you are is a very important piece because you're right. A lot of folks choose to take the easy path or I've got this or the ego gets in the way. When you when you you really do have to surrender, and I'm going to borrow a term from AA there, uh, surrender because you, you you have to realize that you are powerless against it, and then you have to take active measure to fight that fight to win the fight, and you win the fight every single day, every moment sometimes. And what I love most about my recovery is, after a while, you are just not, I shouldn't say just, but I'm in recovery now. And I work hard and I, I still do the work every single day. I talk to my sponsor once a week, sometimes more. But what I love is I don't have knee-jerk reactions to my emotions or my ego. I don't let my ego get in the way. I don't let <clears throat> frustrations drive my actions. I don't try to take the easy way out. I really intentionally try to find the hard way, the right way to do things. And I usually equate the hard way with the right way because there's usually work with the right way. And you have to do the work just like you're doing now. And I think that is the main takeaway. I kind of want to know now, Travis, like what's life like? How long have you been in recovery now? Well, all together, or you mean right now? Right, right now, since you called Jay and you had a conversation with Jay, 
I want to talk about that because I think that it doesn't, it doesn't matter if it's one day, that's amazing. And, and yeah. applause to you, sir. But I, so I say that for people listening, like it, it, the number of days does not matter. It is a mindset. It is your willingness to do the work. And mm-hmm. you, you, so I don't like, yeah, I don't like when people dismiss, I've only got one day. Well, one day is a lot. Yeah. yeah. For me, it's all about making the days count. That's key. hundred percent. Right? So if you put that in yes. your mind, in your growth mindset today, I'm going to make the day count. When you okay. tell yourself to self-talk, like I'm, I'm experiencing the self-talk so I can easily get off track, but also I can reel myself back in. Yeah. You know, because my friends are not always going to be around me. My family members are not always going to be around me, right? right? To catch me. So I have to be able to catch myself. And the self-talk with, um, you know, I had struggled with fear and self-doubt. They were like, I built a relationship with them, right? And now where I'm at in my life, where I'm breaking up with them, Right. Yeah. Don't think for a minute that they're not going to show themselves. Right? They're going to show up more often now. You know yeah. why? Because yeah. now I'm trying to disconnect from it. Right. I yeah. don't let fear today. I don't let fear look at me. You know, when self-doubt knocks at the door, it's like you don't live here anymore. You know what I mean? But yeah. that's the self-talk and the self-discipline to tell yourself that you're not looking to entertain that anymore because that's where the change is to know and identify that the thinking and the thoughts yeah. will be there. If you allow it, the biggest key is don't let, don't rent a space in your head. Don't allow it or give it permission to rent a space in your head. Cause guarantee, man, they'll come in and they'll move in. They'll put their feet up. Yeah. They'll relax. It, so long as you allow to give them a space to rent. The idea is to keep the light on. No vacancies. And the self-talk is that exact light yeah. to be aware. Yeah. The mental awareness. Because these are our supercomputers. It's just like the mental relapse. Right? Oh, for sure. I, I would do uh, everything you just described. A hundred percent. I would sell fear. Uh, self-doubt and I would allow myself to be consumed with bad and negative thoughts, negative energy. And one of the things I would always do because I had such a ridiculous ego uh, and maybe I still do, but I I think I've learned to uh, handle it the right way now is anybody that was talking or any situation I was a part of when I was walking away, I would always think to myself, they hate me or they love me and I'd let my ego get in the way they're talking shit about me or they think yes. I'm the best or whatever the hell it is. And I would inflate myself or deflate myself to these tremendous levels that would, they're not sustainable. And then what would happen is the only way I could fit back in or be okay or make it okay is to drink a drug. And that was always my go-to. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it's a small point in the conversation, but self-talk is everything you have yeah. to learn. I believe to, to do, to be okay with yourself, to like yourself. And in recovery, you learn to kind of maybe wash the windows a bit, you know, so you can look at yourself and come to terms with who you are and then fix what you don't like. And I, and I, you know, a lot of people say, well, people don't change and that's bullshit. You know, I think people do change. You just have to do a tremendous amount of work and what you have to do, at least what I had to do is I had to change a lot of things. I had to change where I lived. I had to change my relationship with 
most people in my life. I didn't throw, I, so I didn't break up with everybody. There were some, there are a lot of people that are still in my life and I'm so, I love that they're there. Some people I had to break up with, not because I didn't like them, not because I didn't love them, but I wouldn't be able to love myself if I didn't. So there were certain people that would always be a drinking and a drugging relationship and it would lead me down that path. So unfortunately I had to break up with them for that reason. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and, and that's the hard part for many people is they can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. When you do the work though, it, that light becomes very, very bright. And, and it, it, I love what you're doing, dude. This is so good. So let's, so you're, you're doing the work, you're working the program. What is, what is life like for you today? It's cause I have to tell well, you that I dig your energy, man. Well, it's the applications in life. Now <laughs> I'm taking what I'm learning and I'm applying it to my life. So when I apply it to my life and I see it work, then it gives me that power to, I can give suggestions to others. Yeah. Right. Because I've already applied it to my life and I've seen it work. Everything is practice right? Everything is baby steps. We're not going to get this right away. And then we're never going to be recovered, but we are able to live a life outside of recovery. So today for me, my recovery has transformed and transitioned to discovery. Now I'm starting to discover who I am, right? We've already gone through the recovery. We already understand that recovery is work. And the more work you do on yourself, the more you get to discover who you are, man. It's like a transition. Mm -hmm. You know, if I based my mind totally on waking up in the morning and saying, I can't drink today. I got to get to my eating. I you're what you're doing is you're setting yourself up for a lot of challenges when in return, when I wake up in the morning, right from the get, I thank my higher power and I own the day right from the get. Own yeah. the day, right? Owning the day stops the day from owning you and everything in that day, right? Yeah. And that's my um, recipe for getting through the day and staying in my lane and owning my day at the end. Owning my day and not allowing the day to own me. So the self-talk, um, the growth mindset, yeah, right? I've always looked at the negative of everything, right? Yeah. So the negative is this big and the positivity is that big. The idea in life is to deflate the negative and inflate the positivity. So what happens is that you start living in the what's happening versus the what happened. So what's behind me, I can't even see anymore, bro. It's so yeah. hard to even share about where I came from because it used to make me feel a certain way, mm. right? That then what's in the happening and yeah. what's in the happening is so much bigger. So we'll go back to the negative. So deflating the negative, which was in the what happened and inflate the positivity, which is the what's happening. There's so much positivity going on in my life, bro. It humbles me. Yeah. 85% of my life today rests on humility, wow. right? I, I, for a really long, for a little bit, two months, people would say to me, you should be proud of yourself. And I felt like I was being convicted of that because I don't want to get too proud. I knew what I was when I got too proud, mm. right? 
Yeah. And then all of a sudden I said to myself, well, I got this. I don't need anybody else. Right. right. <laughs> it's like serving. It's like serving a part-time God, which I did, you know, yeah. I'll admit to it. Right. It was like, thanks God for all the cars and the houses and the girls. And Hey, I'll be back when I need you. Right? Right, right. Today I serve a, a higher power to the best of my ability full-time as much as I can. Right. And um, that's something I never did. And that's something I'm doing today. Um, wow. You know, the growth, the growth that's going on in me, bro, humbles me because it's not a life that I'm used to, but it's a life that I'm getting used to. And um, sometimes I can't describe it. I'm just yeah. living it. I'm living it. And that's you know, enough. And that is enough. Because it's all new to me. I've never, you know, being on a podcast, did I ever, did I ever picture myself 44 <laughs> months ago in all of my recovery that I tried to get, right? I had to go through all that to get where I'm at, where I'm at today, right? Yeah. Did I ever imagine my life would be like this? No, right? right? But I remember saying to my higher power, I wonder what life is going to be like in a year. And you know what he said? He said, son, just look at it in today. Yeah. Just look at it in today. So don't future trip because you're going to get anxiety. Right. right. Don't yeah. be depressed because you're in the past. So I was looking at for the month. The, so uh, I have 16 months. Good. Right. And every day I made count. And so for these 16, almost seven months of the nine months when I jumped into hype recovery coaching, um, during that time, uh, a lot of open doors, you know, it was like this door walking in the hype recovery coach. And you know how people say you open the door like this, yeah. right? Well, for me, it was like this. Yeah. <laughs> Two hands. You know what I mean? It was yeah. like that big door. Right. And where I was caught into a toxic relationship for three years, went back to it three times, getting the same results, thinking that I was going to get different results, but there was no results. That moment of clarity is when my higher power said, listen, you got to walk away from this because I have this over here for you. And in order for you to receive it, you, got, you can't. You can't hold on to that. You keep holding on to that. You can't receive it. And I walked away from it and boom. Yeah. Here it is. So good, dude. That is so good. Gosh, I, I have, I, your analogies are really powerful. You, you should be guests on a lot of other podcasts. Um, so you're, you're a great guest. You have a great, great story and energy. And I think what I love most about it is it's very real. It's very authentic. And you can tell that you've done the work and you, you put the effort in the, the self-talk and the mindset is clear to me, at least that you, you, you enjoy doing the work now in a positive way. It's, it comes through loud and clear and it, you, your story is great. And I love the fact that you, you, you dismissed kind of what life was like back in the day, drinking and drugging and not forgotten it, right? You, we'll never forget it. We know where we come from. We know what we did, but I love that you use it as a springboard into today and into the future in, in a good way. It's really powerful stuff. And I think Jane and Ashley both are wonderful, magical people who do or dedicate themselves to not only love and success between themselves and as individuals, but that same love 
respect and hard work goes out to anyone that they do work with through their hyper recovery programs and, and, and they do great things. And, and I, I'm, I'm happy that you've gotten to know them because they're two of my favorite people. So I'm glad that I'm glad you are where you are today. I'm glad you're doing the work. They put the program together, but you're doing the work and they'll be the first, they'll be the first to tell you that it, every, the success or failures is on, is yours, you know, and, and it seems that you have, I love that you have the no vacancy sign up. I love that you don't, yeah. you know, I love that yeah, you, you have a full-time higher power, higher power. Now it's, it's very cool stuff, man. Well, fear, fear and self-doubt were my mates, you know, it, that's what I ran off of. So I couldn't believe in myself. Yeah. Right. I didn't know how to, right. Here's a guy that's 14 years. He's an author. He's, you know, he's so much, right. And he looked, and, and this is what got me. I never had anybody tell me, I believe in you. Right. So this guy says, I believe in you. You're worth it. Right. And I was like, you know what? I got nothing to lose, but all the gain. I tried everything. I tried everything. I tried it my own way. I've tried other ways, but I didn't try it this way. He told me, get out of my way. Yeah. Stay out of my way. Stay in your lane on your day and tell yourself you're worth it. Go look in the mirror and tell yourself that. For a minute there, I looked in the mirror. I didn't like what I saw. Mm. And then I told myself I was worth it. And I kept doing that, kept doing that until I started believing it. Then I started believing in myself. And then I started applying. And once I started applying, I, I started to see it, you know. And um, with work, there's difficult times. I don't like to say this is going to be hard because I'm setting myself up for disappointment. Why would I make my life more chaotic by telling myself that this is hard? Uh, this is going to be hard. How about if I told myself, now that's the fixed mindset. It's going to be hard. How about if I told myself the growth mindset with a little time and effort and belief in yourself, you can do this. Yeah. And you see how that turns it all around? Yeah. It's like, all right, the mindset, the fixed mindset. I'm not going to be, oh, let me, I'm on the journey to 90 now, just to let you know, right? And um, the first part of the journey to 90 is growth mindset, fixed mindset, right? So for an example, if we got a minute here, of course. for an example, <clears throat> here, here's my fixed mindset trigger thought, which is right there. Yeah. My fixed mindset trigger thought would be i'm not good enough to be a circuit speaker that's my dream right yeah. i'll do what i have to do to get there and, and and achieve it to my replacement growth mindset perspective i will continue to work on myself to achieve my dreams to become a circuit speaker so fear <laughs> this is great man you ready for this yeah fear already sees in the future what we are going to become so fear will come in to try to distract us build a relationship back with it because he knows the outcome of it if we keep going forward we're going to achieve our dream we're going to achieve our goals yeah that's how fear shows up it doesn't want us to succeed. It wants us to keep going back to it. So if we keep the light on and don't rent spaces 
for it to live, then we can go forward and achieve our dreams and goals. Negativity, negativity does not want us to succeed. That's why it keeps showing up. It is always, and the biggest key to it is identifying. The minute that you identify it and then you speak it out loud into existence, it's like the devil runs up and down 24 hours, seven days a week, looking for a place to rest. Yeah. So when you speak it into existence, it's out in the open. The first thing it does is flees. Now it's aware. Now it knows that you can see it. That's how cunning and crafty that, you know, the thinking and thoughts, the negativity try to get in and, and try to offset you from what you're doing. So now fear knows that I'm aware of it. Right. So yeah. when it shows up, I don't even give it a second to look at me. I love it, dude. No, listen, Travis, I, I, what a great way to start my Sunday. Uh, I let myself sleep in a little bit because I knew we we're doing our podcast. And as soon as we're done, part of my, part of my new routines, I, I work out every day and I'm going to go for a nice walk and then get a few rounds of boxing in and a little CrossFit after this. And I have had a tremendous conversation with you, a very powerful one. And I want to thank you for that. Uh, and a little, I am going to do another shout out to Jay and Ashley because I'm so proud to know them and I love the programs that they've put together and how many people they're helping. So, you know, this is not an infomercial for hype recovery, but it, it should be because they're great. And, and you're a perfect, yeah. wonderful example of that, Travis. And I thank you for reaching out. Thank you for sticking with it this morning through some technical difficulties to get us going on the podcast. Yeah. If there's anything I could ever do to help you, sir, please let me know. Uh, Jay is wonderful to help you find other podcasts to be a part of or speak on. And if I could be helpful in that regard, I would love to, because I think your story is very, is very powerful and you are a great person. And I thank you for coming on my show. I thank you for having me, man. And I really enjoyed conversating with you and it's been a real great share. And um, I hope to see you again. I hope to be able to come a guest on your show again. Absolutely. 